we're kind of taught to accept that we need to have a pretty high pain threshold for our lives and that our lives are supposed to be painful to a certain point. And we just kind of accept that and we pick jobs that we're good at. And and we can literally be good at anything. It doesn't mean that it's your purpose. Like your purpose is the thing that, that you're happy to wrestle with for the rest of your life. Your purpose is the thing you are happy to wrestle with for the rest of your life. This quote has stuck with me ever since my interview with my guest this week, Courtney Beck. In this episode, I'm talking to Courtney about her journey to the top of the corporate ladder as a strategist for some of the world's biggest brands until a life-changing transition forced her to leave a role she was extremely good at to pursue the role she was born to play in this life. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me on Mindset Mastery. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me, Rachel. You have a really fascinating story and there's so much I want to talk about, but first of all, can we start with talking about where your corporate career began and I guess what your, your goals were in the beginning? Yeah, so my, um, I, I definitely didn't take a traditional path into the corporate world. So I um, didn't go to uni and study business or anything like that. I actually worked my way up through retail and I was actually supposed to be a teacher. Well, I thought I was supposed to be a primary school teacher. And I realized two years into my degree that I loved business way too much and it was never going to leave me. So I'd, I thought I would, um, that I would just keep working in retail. And then I ended up making a jump from, um, I was working for a large Australian franchise business and was doing uh, local area marketing for some of their stores and ended up jumping into head office and then into the advertising world after that. So it was a pretty fast, pretty fast track that I took um, and ended up at a director level, which is kind of where I, where I ended up landing. And what kind of role was this that you were a director of? Yeah, so I actually wanted to be a creative, so I wanted to be a copywriter, but um, my way into advertising wasn't going to be that path. So I was actually, I was doing social media at the time, so running social media for this particular brand, and they had 100 plus stores, and, and it was at a time when social was still really new, and so there wasn't really many experts in that place. So I actually got picked up by an advertising agency in Brisbane, um, when I was living up there and ended up coming in as a strategist. So strategists are, are the problem solvers of the advertising world. So brands would bring us, you know, um, we're launching this product and we need to figure out how to talk to consumers about it, um, what to say. And it would be my job to figure out that positioning. And so that was how I got my start. And I ended up really liking it because I'm a very logical human being. <laughs> so planning um, and crisis planning was something that I really dug and yeah, ended up making a whole career out of it. That's awesome. You said you're a very, very logical person in that kind of career. And then you had a moment in time where you had a spiritual awakening. What was it like for you when you're this logical person and you know you think through everything and then you have this moment where I guess you have to decide you're going to open up to your spirituality. It was absolutely bonkers. That's the only way I can describe it. So ever since I was little, I would see ghosts and spirits, um, but I never, ever spoke about it. 
because it, it, it totally terrified me. So I think part of the reason I chose such a logical career is I was actually escaping um, these abilities that I had, these latent abilities. So I was, I basically got to my, my dream job that I've been gunning for my whole career, which was a strategy director. Um, I guess the kind of role where if you stay in it, you're like financially set for life. But I've always been incredibly driven. And as I was going for this role, I was like, when I get there, I'll finally be happy. And I got there, sat in the chair and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this isn't it. And so I, um, I actually turned to meditation at that time, very strategically, not from wanting to relax or anything like that. It was just more like, okay, if I'm going to figure out if this job isn't it, then what is and I had a lot of thoughts in my head because I'm a thinker. So I'm always thinking. I never stop thinking. And I thought, how do I empty my brain out so that a solution will become obvious? And so I'd started meditating and it was during this meditation that um, I had what I would call a spiritual awakening, which is basically all of these abilities that I had inside of me just exploded out. But what was interesting is that prior to that, I'd actually gotten really interested in human potential. And I'd started studying neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis. And I actually credit those, well, I guess that period of study with making my brain open enough to actually be open to something totally different. So, And did you start studying NLP and hypnosis? Was that more for yourself? Uh, finding your purpose? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was always looking for an edge. I've always been really focused on self-development. And I guess I've just always had the belief that, that you can learn anything. As long as you're willing to put in the time, you can literally soak anything up. And so I was just continuously looking for an edge with my work at the time. So I started studying this and this, we, um, so we had this amazing teacher, Gordon, and he set us this assignment where basically you had to choose someone who was amazing at what they did and you had to ask them a series of questions and basically study them. So I was fascinated. I was actually working at Nickelodeon at the time and um, my general manager was this amazingly badass woman in business, but she also did these crazy marathon races through the, through the desert and the like, um, the Arctic and like the, the type of races where people die and like the limbs fall off. And she's just like, she runs these races. I'm like, God, imagine if you could apply her skills in that and her focus to business. And so in this project that we did, um, what you could do through hypnosis was you could actually take someone else's strengths and you could implant them in your own brain for the uses that you wanted to. And so I was watching all of these people study these amazing people who were doing this incredible stuff in one area and you could take those strengths, like the strengths that you might not have. Like for instance, if you're not a great public speaker, you could study someone who was great at public speaking and ask them about what they think about while they're, you know, doing it and what, how bright it is for them when they see it. And to take all of these, um, I guess what, what's normal for them but not normal for you and actually implant it into them. And it was from that moment where I realised you could literally morph your brain into anything. I just realised how we, we have this belief that our abilities are limited and they're not. 
<laughs> not in any way, shape or form. Like I saw things changed in five minutes that people wouldn't believe that they could change in a lifetime. And that was what really, I think, opened me up to spirituality as well because it was something I would have formally dismissed. Um, so NLP was great in kind of breaking that down. Wow, that's fascinating. It was, yeah. Yeah. How long did you study that and then did you start to use that in your corporate job or in a different area? Yeah, I did. Um, I guess like selfishly, of course. Um, so I, I could see how many bonuses there was to it, especially with using language. Um, so I studied it for maybe two years. So it was, it was pretty quick. So when I go into something, I go really hard at it. Um, that's like a personality trait. So yeah, I studied it for about two years and, and was really interested in, in language and how um, you can use language to change how people think about things. And I was working in advertising. So my, I mean, advertising is sales, essentially. So that was kind of my driver for it. Never realizing that um, the work I was doing on myself was kind of the precursor to what I would eventually go into next. And I guess the work that I do now is still very much around human potential. It's just delivered in a different way. Let's dive into what you do now. Yeah. Let's start with, give me and our listeners a brief overview of the work that you do now with other people and I guess how you use your skills, both from your corporate job and now your new set of skills to help other people. Yeah, for sure. So, so I ended up, um, you know, my, my ability to see and talk to spirits was always my dirty little, little secret. Um, but I ended up embracing that, um, which happened during this meditation. I had all my abilities erupt to the surface and I was like, okay, I have to actually do something with this. Like I'm clearly unhappy in my job. I want to help people and I want to do more than helping big banks and booze companies. And like, I wanted to do more than that. So basically it was a spirit who told me that I would spend my life channeling books so channeling is actually where you speak to spirits and you just record what they're saying so it's kind of like I'm a bit of a secretary for spirits so I can hear them and and I've so I've channeled three books now that are all about spiritual awakening and kind of tapping into our life purpose and potential but aside from working on the books I actually do healing work with people so how how the spirit world sees us um, is they see us as like a body of energy. So whilst we might manifest in a physical way and, you know, you can feel your skin and we're actually at our core, we're just energy and we all just manifest in different ways. So, you know, there's, there's things that we believe that we're stuck with, whether that's anxiety or injuries or, you know, psychological trauma like we kind of think that all of that stuff is just stuck in our system but if you think of ourselves as like a body of energy like I can put my hand into a bath and pull out a rubber duck you can do the same with the body and and the energy in the body so what I do day by day now is which is so different to what I used to do which was sitting in boardrooms um, is I work with about five or so spirits and and people basically bring us a, a wish list of the things that they'd like to work on, like mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then I go into the spiritual plane. I see my team of spirits and, um, and we pull that stuff out. So how I explain it to people is like we have experts here on earth, like you're an expert in storytelling and video. There are experts in the spiritual plane that have their own areas of expertise that we can tap into. So it's kind of like everything that we have here, they have there and you can bring in different spirits to help you in different ways. So 
that's what I do day to day. And I work with people from all walks of life on everything from increasing confidence to just helping them feel better, reducing stress, like the sky's the limit with what you can work on when you're working with the spirit. So what made you decide to start using these abilities basically as your new career? Because that's a big career change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge. So <laughs> what, what was it that made you step into this full time? Um, I, I guess I, I always say to people now, I think I was like the worst possible participant in this. I had all these spirits obviously trying to get my attention my whole lifetime. And I was like, no, can't do it guys. Um, and it was because it was really scary for me. So I used to have spirits turn up in my bedroom at night and they'd stand by my pillow and it's like, they obviously wanted me to do something, but they brought it to me in the least palatable way. Um, so, um, it kind of, I, I had to, I guess, start embracing those abilities first before I was willing to look at doing it um, in a way that was full time. And, and I was also super weird about it as well, like the most awkward person in the world about talking about what I could do. So because the, the world that I came from was really logical and it was all about, you know, money and power and brands and, um, and my whole job was evidence based. So the fact that I was like, it was, it was probably my last year or two that I was in the corporate world. I was like talking to spirits and doing my job. <laughs> and so I was like straddling two worlds, which was just confusing. But basically it was a spirit that said to me, and it's one of the main, I guess, spirit guides that I work with now. And he said, you know, we're giving you a year to extract yourself. Like you're really good at this job, but this is not the job that you're born to do. The job that you're born to do is to channel books and to work with people on their healing and, and helping them achieve their purpose. And yeah, so I just, um, I started building that business. But even when I had it and even after I'd finished my first book and published it, I was still so awkward about talking about it. Like people would ask me what I did and I'd be like, oh, I'm a coach. <laughs> like the least true thing that I could say. And even now, I mean, it's like five years later it's still a daily practice, but I think that comes into to authenticity and being comfortable with who we are as people. And I think that's a lifelong journey. I don't, I don't know if it's something we ever master. Absolutely. So as a kid seeing spirits, what would that be like? That sounds like that would be quite scary. Um, that side happening. So can you describe what it was like when you realized what you were seeing? Yeah, so I was I was a pretty weird kid in that I was really interested in like Egypt and dinosaurs and so apparently around my fourth or fifth birthday I'd asked for like lucky charms to protect me from evil spirits. And so I think whilst I was like not conscious of who I was at that time, I, there was still like signs of I guess what I would go on to be. But I would see um, my parents lived in like an old miner's cottage and it was – um, I think it was like 160 years old or 100 years old. or um, And I would see spirits going down the hallway. And so my approach at that time was to have a baseball bat next to my bed, not realising that you can't actually swing a baseball bat at a transparent being. <laughs> um, but it was, it was really scary because they could obviously see me and they knew that I could see them, uh, but I had no idea how to work with it. And And that was probably the the hardest thing about embracing this is that spirits don't really care for business hours. They just turn up <laughs> when they want to turn up. And I work with so many people now who have the same abilities as what I do. And, and it, 
it's so scary for them because they don't know how to control it. And it's quite invasive when something turns up standing next to your bed in the middle of the night. It's like that never gets any easier. So yeah, it was just, um, it was something I never spoke about. It was something I always never wanted and I was pretty strong about not wanting it. And I didn't find out until I was, um, well, actually until my grandma was in her 90s that she has the same abilities. Um, So I went through my whole life thinking I was a massive weirdo when actually it was kind of running in the family. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The kind of work that you do with your clients now, what does a session look like? Yeah. So what I ask is I ask my clients to tell me how they're feeling mentally, emotionally, and physically, because that's kind of a pretty good roundup of, of who we are and how we're feeling. And people bring me the most random assortment of things like the other week I worked on someone's teeth because they've got cavities that just won't stop coming. We also work with pulling spirits out of people um, because sometimes spirits that are here can kind of attach to people. But yeah, so we basically what I do is I, so when I, when I first started healing work, I used to do it in person with people. I used to have my hands on, but I found it totally exhausting. I just want to sleep after it. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm not actually meant to be a healer. Like maybe this isn't for me. But what I discovered was there's something called shamanic journeying, which is basically where you sit in like a meditation state and you actually travel to the spirit world in your mind. And so that's what I do now. So I journey to meet them in this beautiful rainforest and my clients lie on a white stone table in the middle of this rainforest setting. And basically I I take their list in of what they want to work on and then there's four or five different spirits that work on all of the different things that they want to achieve. So that's kind of how, how the session works. So it takes about roughly 45 minutes to an hour, but we, we get amazing results with, with everything. Like I always say to people, there's, there's never a silver bullet for everything. Um, in that sometimes the things that we feel are wrong with us are actually part of our broader life lessons or things that we need to overcome. Like for me, speaking my truth is whilst I would have loved to have had that like um, fixed up in, in an NLP or a hypnosis session. Like I do believe a lot of our strengths are about like literally building our muscles. So some things can be removed like straight away. Like we work with a lot of people who are suicidal and, and we can be their last stop on their journey, like their last um, ditch effort to find something that works. And we've had tremendous results with that, which is incredible. Um, we get amazing results with anxiety. Just like I, the way I'd explain the human body to people is it's a bit like we're like a kitchen sponge that's full of water and we just soak all of life up consistently, but no one's ever taught us how to wring ourselves out. So we carry so much volume in our bodies of emotions and experiences. And, and then we, we wonder why we feel so bogged down and it's literally a volume problem. Like we've just taken in too much and we haven't let anything out. So our job is kind of to ring people out so that they can then go back out into the world and just feel lighter and better able to accomplish what they're here to do. Wow. So would you say a lot of your work is, also do with helping people find what their purpose is? 100%. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me because there's no way I would have picked that I would be doing this work. 
like so much of my identity was built around my title and how much I earned and my reputation and credibility. If someone had said to me like seven years ago, Court, you're going to quit your job and you're going to do psychic work and healing work, I would have just been like, what? <laughs> I just laughed at them. And that, that's the thing with purpose. It can be the thing that you least expect. And I think part of the problem with today's world is that we're kind of taught to accept that we need to have a pretty high pain threshold for our lives and that our lives are supposed to be painful to a certain point. And we just kind of accept that and we pick jobs that we're good at. And, and we can literally be good at anything. It doesn't mean that it's your purpose. Like your purpose is the thing that, that you're happy to wrestle with for the rest of your life. Like one of the spirits told me recently, and it was such an interesting way to look at purpose because I think we often see purpose as like a destination. We're like, same as way I used to look at my director role. Like if I can just get to this job, then I'll be happy. And I think we think that with our purpose as well. But purpose is like a lifelong journey. And it's actually something we've been working on even through our past lives as well. So if you think of your, your soul is kind of here to do an apprenticeship of sorts. So each life we come and we continue our work here. It's just that when we arrive, we totally forget what we came here to do. So the spirits explain purpose to me as, as the question that we want to answer. And it's as human beings, we tend to think of our purpose as like a job title or a career. Whereas they say to us, like, what's the question that you constantly think about that you'd love to answer for people? And so for me, it's like, what's the meaning of life? How do I stop myself reincarnating? And then our work can be born from that. I mean, because your job really is kind of in the realm of helping people achieve their purpose as well, because people might have a story to tell, but they don't necessarily know how to tell it. And that's your gift. So, yeah, if we can think of it as, um, like what's the question that I want to answer, then literally anything can be born from that. Like I've got one client who's just so passionate about self-love and she's like, how can I get all my clients to love themselves? And her whole business has been born from that. So, yeah. That's awesome. So what has this journey done for you personally? How would you describe your life and your mindset then compared to where you are now? totally different like apples and oranges um, I've changed a lot uh, so I, I used to be very much just in my head and not connected with my heart at all I was just very much like evidence logic um, I remember so one of the big um, pieces of evidence that I had that I'd had a huge change when I had my spiritual awakening during my meditation was as part of my NLP studies we'd done a a strengths test through a company called Gallup and so you answer a series of questions and they tell you what your strengths are and and mine were my top five was like critical thinking logic it was like zero emotion whatsoever and 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 that was the role I needed to play back then because like I would joke at the time that I was kind of like the devil in that like at one stage I was working on booze cigarettes and gambling um Sorry, not 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 cigarettes. I, I would always joke that if because I had booze and um, gambling, that if I had cigarettes, I'd be like death. But at that stage, I was pretty happy to do that because I was like, you you pay me a fair price, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I had like zero morals in that respect. And then post spiritual awakening, I found that I was like all heart all of a sudden, and I would cry during TV ads. And I was, it's been a big journey for me because 
I think I spent the first half of my life very guarded and I had like a, my armor on constantly. I was constantly repairing any chinks to my armor. I was like, if I just work hard enough, no one else will outwork me. If I'm smarter than everybody else and I keep working on my edge, no one else will be smarter than me. And it was just like, it's great because it keeps getting you promotions, but it's no way to live constantly trying to protect yourself in that way. And so the second part of my life has been like taking off all my armor and, and admitting all my vulnerabilities and my perceived weaknesses and really getting comfortable with, with who I am and also learning again. Like I was a gun at what I used to do. And then this world is like totally different. It changes every day and it's, Sometimes I miss going to an office and having a boss and having someone, you know, tell me I'm doing a good job or whereas it's like spirits that do that now. But sometimes I do miss the old world, but I wouldn't swap the old world for anything because one of my dreams in the corporate world was I hated working in an office. Like I just felt like I was chained to a desk. And so one of my dreams was just to travel and to be remote. And so the work that I do now is all online. So Last year, we spent, you know, three months in uh, the US, just road tripping through the US. We spent the first part of the year in Bali, which is where we were when COVID hit. Um, so we were supposed to be going to Vietnam and Cambodia after that. But I think the greatest thing for me has been freedom. Like I've always wanted freedom in my work. And that's what this work has given me that my old job could never have done because I literally had to sell my soul to stay in that job and we, we we pay a price like we can be paid really well but generally if you're paid really well it, it comes at a at a standard if you're working for a you know a big corporate business so mm-hmm. so if someone would be nervous about stepping out of their current path into something new what would you say to them go for it <laughs> um, because that's the thing we, we don't realize we can shape shift at any time like we, we're only as limited by what we believe ourselves to be. And, and it's so funny because, you know, we can be thinking we're moving towards retirement or we can be like, oh, I've got a uni degree in this, I should probably continue it. Whereas the spirits are like, go, like do what you're born to do. Otherwise you've got to come back in another life and do it again anyway. But like it's never too late to change. Um, and I think what we've got to think about is that like you're the only one that has to live in your body for your entire life. So we're kind of like our own our own slave and our own master in the sense that we we're the ones that keep ourselves in things that we don't enjoy. And whilst it might be scary to take a leap of faith into something new, there's a fast way of doing it and a slow way of doing it. I did it the fast way and it was terrifying. (laughs) And I now recommend my clients to do it in the slow way. Um, But you can like transition out of things slowly. Like when I, um, when I worked in the corporate world, I always had a side project. Um, because I always believed that what work took out of me, I could fill up if I had my own little projects on the side. So I used to write a dating blog. That was how I met my wife, Jules. Um, I think it's really healthy to try lots of new things and to see what sparks you up. And I think if you feel like there's something missing in your life, 100% there is. Like if you have that knowing and that nagging feeling that you felt like life was going to be more than this, then that's a pretty big red flag to start exploring the interesting thing with purpose is that it can be the thing that sparks you and like sets a fire within you that um, inspires you but it can also be the thing that you're running from 
which is my circumstance in that spirits were the thing that scared me the most and yet it's the thing I was supposed to do. So I would say to people, look in front of you, but also look behind you when you're thinking about purpose. Yeah. But you can always go back as well. Like that's the thing. We don't realise that. I think we fear social pressure and what our friends and family would think. I often say to my clients, like, you don't have to tell the world (laughs) that you're thinking of doing these things. Like, give yourself the space to explore things and to try new things and to dabble because we're the ones that keep ourselves locked in our own identity. As soon as we release ourselves from that, like, you can do literally anything that you want to do and you can monetize anything. Um, Like, the world is a pretty tragic place at the moment in a lot of ways. It's still the only place that you can literally create anything and be paid for it wow um so just on that how did your friends and family react because it was such a, a dramatic shift um and is what was that like for for you when was it kind of overnight um you've kind of transitioned from you know very logical strategic corporate to having having the spiritual awakening i had like my, my friends and family are um well, my, my family in particular are incredibly supportive. Like my mum just wants us to be happy no matter, like she'd always say, if you're a garbage collector, like if that's what you want to do, then go nuts. Um, so, and, you know, my, my dad worked in um, like marketing and advertising and in radio, so he was kind of a bit out there as well. Um, so my family's always been great. Um, I do think they had some concerns about me leaving because I, I did have a pretty, you know, kick-ass job at the time. And I think they were a bit concerned because we, we were living in Sydney, like by the harbour, like we had a great life. And then all of a sudden I was like, guys, I want to be a psychic and, um, and like quit my job and start over. So, yeah, like I think the hard thing though with friends and family is that they, they want the best for you. The problem is, is that it's, it's their idea of the best thing for you. And that's where I always encourage people to really look at, you know, once again, you're the only one that's got to live in your body. What's going to make you happy we've definitely lost a lot of friends along the way I think that comes with choosing a really non-mainstream career like I always I'd also changed a lot so I went from being someone who lived at a very surface level to um like pretty much shedding like a lot of my belongings and gypsying around the world and and that sort of change can make people uncomfortable so I guess the friends that we did lose in that way it left space for other new amazing people who are more aligned with us now to come in. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Like it makes me think of um, like when I was 20, I came out and as, as in sexually, not, not spiritually. And, um, and that, that was, that was horrible, but I would say that my spiritual coming out was way harder than that. But I remember at the time when I was 20, I actually moved from Melbourne to Queensland because I was so terrified of what people would think of me. So I basically ran from it. And that's the thing I didn't do with my spiritual coming out is I kind of, I was better and I was probably older as well um, and better able to kind of stand in who I was now. And but yeah, it's, it's, it's never easy. But what I would say is that the people who really love you and want the best for you will a hundred percent stick around, even if it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I actually met my now wife, Jules, through my, my dating blog that I started. So basically when I was working in advertising in Brisbane, no one could ever tell that I was gay. And so I used to get hit on by guys and 
never hit on by girls. And, and I was also attracted at the time to, you know, very feminine looking girls and most feminine looking girls are straight. So I had this big problem and I remember going out to dinner with some advertising friends and they were like, why don't you start a blog to advertise yourself as a date? Like take everything you've learned about advertising and use it to advertise yourself. And so I did that and it ended up going viral in my blog. And that was how I met my now wife, Jules. So her former life, she was actually a swimwear model and I worked in advertising. And so we were like so different to who we are now. Um, and we've been incredibly lucky, I think, to, to move along that journey together because I think a lot of people, when they get into spirituality, it can become something that's quite divisive in their relationship. Like one person will be really into it and the other person will be totally freaked out. I mean, Jules is beautiful in that she's just super gentle and open. And, and I remember the day that I came to her when I had my spiritual awakening and I was like, I'm having all these weird cravings and I'm hearing spirits talking to me and there's like something happening. And she was like, okay, well, let's just see how it goes. (laughs) It's just like the best reaction you could want from anyone. Yeah. So she's been crucial to me having enough belief in myself to keep going with this. And and it, it was tough when I first started the business because, you know, I went from having a certain level of income to basically starting from scratch. And, and I always used to joke that, you know, um, like a criminal, like maybe I'll go back and I'll just do one more job. I'll get like 10 grand and do this and then come back and we'll be okay. And Jules, you know, my stress levels were so high working in corporate, like numerous times I thought I was going to have a heart attack and it was just because I was working ridiculously long hours and the stress was so high. And, and the great thing about Jules is she was like, I would prefer for us to live in a cardboard box than I would for you to go back and do that work. So let's just eat rice and beans and see how we go. <laughs> and so like that's indicative of who she is as a person. So, but like I do, I do think that the person you're with is hugely important when you're wanting to make a step like this. And that if I can give any relationship advice at all, it would be to find someone who's happy to grow with you. Don't choose the person that's happy totally as they are. Find the one that wants to keep growing. Because like I look at how much I've changed in my life, like I'm 38 now. Before I was 20, I didn't even know I was gay. Hit 20, came out, life totally changed again. You know, early 30s, had my spiritual awakening, totally different person since. Like I think we go through many different evolutions in our lives and, and the partner we have ideally is the person that we take through everything. So choose someone open-minded. <laughs> Fantastic advice. could you describe to me what your mindset and mental health would have been like in your previous job you talk about the stress and I guess because you weren't quite working in alignment as you are now what was your mindset like then I didn't realize until I left how full of fear I was I just saw it as adrenaline I was constantly like running to outrun like my favorite saying at the time was like, I'm only as good as what I was yesterday. Like, don't just rest on your laurels, like keep running. And so every day I would turn up to work and give it my absolute everything. The problem was, is that we can be like endless and immortal in our spirits, but our body is so limited. (laughs) Like it's literally this flesh sack that we carry around and, and our being here whilst we're 
limitless in so many ways we are limited by the physical being that we're in and so we have to look after the flesh sack to to ensure that we can keep doing what we want to do so i i was terrible at the time like as i said i was looking for that edge constantly and and Jules was actually pretty unwell at the time in my last few years of being in advertising. And so I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. So I actually turned um, to smart drugs, which I don't know if you know anything about those. It's, it's the medication that uh, they give to like jet fighter pilots and surgeons basically to keep, it opens up the pathways in, in the brain. And so what I discovered is that if I could use these tablets, then I could do everything I needed to to do at home and be present there. I could also be amazing at my job. The problem was is that the tablets made me even better at my job, so they doubled my workload, <laughs> which was, like, not good. But, yeah, like, I would, I would do anything to be better at that point. And I think the realisation that I am still coming to now is that ultimately you've just got to be happy with who you are. And whilst it's great to constantly push to be better, I think the really good and deep work is actually loving the parts of yourself that you don't like, the parts of ourselves we're often trying to like shave off or, you know, the sharp edges that we want to polish and make them round are actually the things that make us different and amazing. So like mentally I'm in a very different space to what I used to be. Like I meditate every morning religiously. I try to get enough sleep. I drink a lot of water. I eat a plant-based diet now. Like I'm really careful with what I put into my body. Whereas in advertising, I was like beer, pizza, Coke, as in like Coca-Cola, not drugs. Um, just like anything to, anything to keep me going and, until I realized that my body was a temple that I needed to, um, to, to actually take seriously. Tell me about your book series. Yeah, so the books are basically... How I would explain it is it's, it's a bit like sitting across from an ultra-wise spiritual being and, and I'm like, what do you want to talk about today? And then I just um, hear him speak. So I actually work with Hindu deities and Egyptian spirits a lot of the time. So my first book was with a spirit called Krishna um, and Krishna is the Hindu deity of love and compassion. And so he's this really beautiful, peaceful being and the first book is predominantly about it's a it's a manual for life on earth as we were destined to live. So we're we're pretty disconnected from the natural world around us, and um, I think in in a lot of ways we've lost our way. Like you've only got to look at um, you know what's happening with equality around the world to see that we're pretty out of balance in a lot of ways. So that first book is is a lot about that. The second book that I did was with Krishna again, and it was all about the spiritual awakening process. So. Lots of the people that I work with, they're basically at, at the same point as what, what I was when they were in there, when I was in my strategy life in that they'd ended up with everything that they'd wanted or thought they'd wanted, you know, whether that's a marriage, a job, a house, kids, you know, all of these things only to discover that they're not actually that happy and they've got no idea what to do about it. So that process in itself is... Um, I kind of think of it as, as like the universe clearing the chessboard for you. Like they literally come in and they just wipe everything off. But what that does is it allows you to start over again. So that's a lot of what that book's about. And then the third book that I'm about to publish at the moment is um, it's called Universal Law. And it's 
about how the laws of the universe govern our time here. So they tell it through the story of Atlantis. I don't know if you know much about Atlantis. There's going to be a bit of a, of a rundown, yeah. Of course. So it's, a, it's an ancient city um, beneath the ocean, but how, how the spirits talk about it is, um, is that Atlantis was the last time on Earth when everything was in perfect balance. So there was no pollution, um, you know, we never took too much. Um, animals were treated equally to humans. It was just a time when everything worked perfectly and totally um, synchronistic, synchronistically with everything else. And there's lots of parallels with their world. And, and basically that city ended up getting taken up by a wave and, and falling underneath the ocean. And that's where it probably sits somewhere now. But there's just so many parallels environmentally with that, with that story and with our story now and where we're at. So the actual channeling of books is my main purpose. It's just that I earn my bread and butter um, working with people on their own stuff as well. Amazing. So just finally, I guess, what is the biggest message that you want to tell people about finding their purpose or moving towards their purpose um, or ways they could even possibly uncover what it is that they're meant to do? I think don't, don't be afraid to reach out to weird options. Like I always joke with people that, you know, often people have generally got to be on their knees in life to call someone like me. Um, but there's so many amazing people that can tap in and, and help you find what your purpose is or, or at least give you clues. It's like, it's the difference between knowing there's a needle in the haystack somewhere and calling on someone who can actually show you the tiny box of space that that needle is within. And then that it just saves you so much time. The other thing I would say is, you know, don't be afraid to dig and to play with different things. Like it's often the things that you love doing, but don't talk about, or you're ashamed to talk about that other things that are kind of I guess the biggest clues as, as to what you're here to do. Yeah. I think we spend so much of our time looking to the outer world and being so involved with what's going on outside of us that we never put much energy into exploring our inner world. And, and that's where all the answers are about everything. Like we're all in pain to one degree or another. It's just a level in us that's different. So if you can spend more time looking inside yourself like everything is in there and the interesting thing that the spirits always tell me is that how we all tend to work is that we give 80 percent of our energy to everybody else and we leave 20 percent for ourselves what they tell me is that we need to flip it ideally we'd be giving 80 percent of our own energy to ourselves and our own self-development and then leaving that 20 percent for everything else knowing that if we were full in ourselves, that 20% would be so high quality versus just being, you know, I guess the, the scraps that we have at the moment. So, and I guess to realise that it's never too late to make a huge change. And there's so many amazing people that can support you to do it. Like, you know, the, the services that you offer, like there are so many amazing experts that you can draw in to help you. You don't have to be good at everything. You've just got to have a vague idea of where you want to start and to accept that where you start might not be where you end up and to just kind of let yourself play and go on that journey. Wow, that's awesome. Courtney, thank you so much. You know, I could talk to you for another five hours, but I guess um, <laughs> we need to wrap it up somewhere. I learned so much from that interview. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Before we go, 
I want to return one more time to the quote from Courtney I played at the beginning of the episode. Your purpose is the thing you're happy to wrestle with for the rest of your life. She talks about purpose not as a job title, but as a question you feel compelled to answer. For me, my purpose is to help people share their story. The question that never leaves me alone is, how can I help someone to see themselves the way the people who love them do? What is your question that never leaves you alone? It was great to have you back for another episode of Mindset Mastery. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a big thumbs up and share the episode with one friend who you think will benefit from what we talked about today. Remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.